Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, go to find your seat. If you are watching us on our online campus, we want to welcome you. Depending on what generation you're in, you need to understand today we're talking about bridges. Today's message is called Bridging the Gap, the Generation Gap, okay? We're going to talk about it a little bit today, and we've already started to demonstrate that a little bit. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, if you will. We're going to weave in Psalm 71, which is one of my life verses that is coming alive even as we speak. Acts chapter 2, verse 16. You excited to be in church? Listen, in our huddle this morning with all of our now crew workers, I was told that, that, that what we do, Pastor Lindsay and I do, is kind of the down part of the day. So, so anyway, it's the, the big parts of the day that are, you're going to remember are when you came in and everybody said, hello, and when you leave and everybody says, goodbye, and then I'm just filling time. So anyway, it's, it's okay. It's all right. It's just filling time. Anyway, anyway, Acts chapter 2 said this, verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is, this is the message, by the way, that Peter the apostle preaches on the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit is poured out, and the, it's the first day of the church becoming alive and becoming the church. And he said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. All flesh. And then he describes, this is still from Joel chapter Three, he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. They shall say what God is saying. They shall speak what God is saying. This is a prophetic vision of the Holy Spirit's value in diversity. Psalm 71 Verse 18, I found a new translation from the Passion Translation, and this is, one of my, this is one of my life verses. God, now that I'm old and gray, David wrote this before there was hair color. Anyway, now that I'm old and gray, don't walk away. Give me grace to demonstrate to the next generation all your mighty miracles and your excitement to show them your magnificent power. That should be one of the prayers of this house because it's one of the prayers of my heart. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today? Help us to know you, experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week was so powerful, you missed it. You can watch it online. Check out our new website, nowchurch.com and be a pine cone. Anyway, if you don't know what that means, you need to see last week, okay? Uh, years ago, one of the mentors that came into our lives was a man named Lester Summerall. He was in his late 70s and early 80s when we knew him, and he passed away when he was 83. Right after he dedicated, he dedicated this building in January of 1996, stood right here in this area, prayed for us. The stage wasn't done yet. Nothing was done. And he prayed for us and prophesied over us. And about 11 weeks later, he got sick on a trip to Africa and died just very quickly, painlessly, and went to heaven. 
But he was a great man of God. He taught us many of the things that are cultural touchstones of this house, things we say all the time, um, are because of him. Things that he put into us are, are in us. One of the things that he said to us uh, years ago was this. He said, the way we need to look at life is this. He said, the first third of anybody's life is all about input. You're learning, learning, learning. You're going to school, then you're finishing school, then you're going to college, you're finishing college, you're, going, you're starting life, and you're learning, learning, learning. First third of your life is all input. So the second third of your life is all about utilization. It's all about using what you learned to create a life, build a business, build a church, find your calling. It's about using the things you've learned. The second third is using the things you've learned to better society, to, to build your life in God. He said the final portion of your life has got to be about pouring out your life and what you've learned and what you've utilized into other people. And that's when life goes from success to significance. In this life, we are all in different generations. In this church, there are at least four generations alive in this place, and we're so glad that you are here today and so glad that we're not just trapped in one. If anything, we need more shouting Z generation people here. We need more shouting millennials in the house. But right now, for whatever we're doing here, the key is that we're always reaching out to other generations and not getting locked in a box. The average church in America, the age group is within 10 years, plus or minus, of the senior pastor's age. Now, if I thought we were doing that, I would, I'd find somebody younger tomorrow and step out of the way. But I feel like the, it's, it's, not about, it's not about age, it's about how you carry yourself and how you present yourself and your heart for people. And I believe God has given us a heart for every generation in this place and we're not limited by the color of our hair or if there is any, okay? We're not limited by age. We're only limited by heart. If you're believing to live to be 100, that's over 30 years of your life in each of those segments. The input the utilization, and then the pouring out. Paul the Apostle said this to people that he raised up. He said, I have now poured my life out as a drink offering. I've poured myself out and given everything I've got for you to grow. I think we as a body need to pour ourselves out for the next generation. The Bible talks about the same thought in Titus chapter two as Paul encourages the older men and women of God to teach the younger. And he says this, teach them how to live nobly, to set an example for them, a life of dignity, rock solid faith, generous love, and patient endurance. I love Psalm 145 verse three says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. We're just singing about that, the greatness of God. But listen to what verse four says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. My friends, we live in the most technologically advanced and connected time in the history of the world. Yet right now, most sociologists believe we are the most divided 
and disconnected people in American history. Because we've allowed ourselves to become a house divided against itself, which Jesus said cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln said, he's getting quoted, but he quoted Jesus. Jesus, any house that's divided against itself can't stand. Any house that goes into segments and fragments and divisions, and we're all about, well, this church is all teenagers, and that church is all older people, and this church is all this, and that one is all that. No, no, no. Martin Luther King Jr. said, unfortunately, the most, the most divided time in our week in America, and this was in the 60s, he says it's 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings because churches are too much about congregating as one group and hanging out with that group. But heaven's not going to be like that. Heaven's not going to have a white section, an African-American section, the Hispanic section. There's going to be no... There's not, that, that is so antithetical to the way the kingdom of God is and the way that our God thinks. And I submit to you that God is speaking to us this month about bridges, some to be crossed, some to be burned, so you don't go running back to your broken past, and some bridges need to be built or repaired. Bridging the gap. Bridges must be expanded over the great divides of our generation. The financial gap. You listen to politicians today, it's all about, oh, the, anybody that's got any money is keeping you from having some. That's a lie. The racial gap, the cultural gap, the gender gap, and primarily the generation gap, and they all need improvement. We've only come so far, and we need to keep growing and keep moving, but it's not going to be through emphasizing what divides us. It's going to be through emphasizing the thing that unites us, which is Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says he made from one blood every race of mankind and every generation. I love Galatians 3, verse 28 says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Republican nor Democrat nor Noel nor Gator, there's neither single or married. Well, what's the next thing say? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Of equal value. I say to you today that Jesus went to the cross and set us free from stereotypes and from labels. I've always said around here, labels are limitations. When somebody's trying to label you and categorize you in a negative way, it's to keep you pigeonholed in a little group over here. Listen, when we, when we started the church in 1990, um, churches were included in the newspaper once a week on Saturday in the religion section. And I realized after a few years that that's actually where they wanted to keep us. As long as we were only talking about religion, we could have our Saturdays in the paper and our Sunday mornings at church. But the moment we began to talk about issues and praying heaven down and rebuking devils, the world gets nervous. 
Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is not about discussion. It's not about observation. It's not over here, over there. The kingdom of God is within you as God's people. And when you go, Jesus said, proclaim to people, today the kingdom of God is coming near to you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. The world wants to keep us relegated to this little religion section. As long as you can, as long as you can do that, but stay out, God forbid, stay out of politics, stay out of this, stay out of that. Don't make any commentary. Just, just stay in your lane. Why? Because it keeps us divided and fragmented and keeps us all in our denominations and our labels. Years ago, I heard a powerful story. One of my favorite bridge stories about the legend of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I read this in a book from Australia 25 years ago, and I can't find the book, and I can't find the information online, so I'll just call it a legend, but I thought it was a cool legend, okay? It may be, maybe, this may be true, this may not be true, but I'm gonna tell you the story that I heard because I think it, it, it's important. The way I heard it is that when they went to build the Golden Gate Bridge and build those towers coming out of the bay, that's a very windy area, and as they began to rise to a certain portion they had a, a few workers that fell to their death. And it was concerning the builder so much that he stopped the project when it got to a certain height and constructed a huge net to go underneath the bridge across the whole San Francisco Bay. When they picked up and resumed construction, from that point on, not only did nobody fall to their death, Nobody fell again at all because the comfort of knowing in your heart and mind that there was a net there for you meant you could build without fear. And I think sometimes in this life, in this world, we need to know that there's a net called grace in every generation that no matter what happens, even if you fall, somebody's going to be there to catch you. Even if you fall, it doesn't have to be the end. The mindset of having a safety net created peace, when people know something will catch them when they fall, they don't fall as much. And I'd like to say that we as the people of God, fishers of men, need to mend the nets that we have under the generations and give each of the generations the security to know that we're gonna catch you even if you mess up. We're not waiting for you to blow it, but we're there for you if you do. Every age group living right now is significant to God and we need each other. Do you believe that? We need each other. As elders, we need to remain teachable and reachable, accessible. We need to show younger generations respect instead of contempt. We've all seen the crusty old people that begin to yell at the darkness or yell at, the, at people just to, you, you stop, you're, you're, you're infringing upon my space. Get off my lawn. My first encounter with 
older people that I didn't know when I grew up in Lake Mary, Florida, down by near Orlando, is I used to take tennis lessons and play tennis with my father, and we got a membership at this place called The Forest. I think it's still down there in Lake Mary. It was the first 55 and over community in that city. And they put in a tennis court, but nobody played. So they went out and said, if you want to join in, and my dad was a uh, part of the city government there, and they said, if you want to join, you can join the club for, I don't know, 100 bucks a year and come in and play tennis whenever you want. And every time my dad and I went and played tennis, we had somebody stop by that didn't use the court. Said, what are you doing here? Not supposed to be anybody over fi under 55. This isn't your place. Because I was a teenager and my dad was in his 30s at the time and we were the young whippersnappers and they were upset we were there. The we, we played there for a couple years. We never saw anybody else, 55 and over, that was actually playing tennis. But it was very important to them that we weren't allowed, even though we had a membership and we had to prove it every time, hey, we belong here. And yet I just described to you not something that's just age, but we've all experienced it from, in one way or the other from something or some way we look or some label that's been placed on us made to feel uncomfortable, like we don't fit, we don't belong. And I'm telling you, that is not the kingdom of God. And so we, and I say we as the elders, we as the, the ones that are leading the way, age-wise, we need to show respect instead of contempt. As younger people, and I also include myself with you, we need to give honor where honor is due. The Word of God says this in Ephesians 6, 2 from the Amplified. Honor. Everybody say honor. Honor. It's one of our core values here is honor. Honor, esteem, and value as precious. That's what the Bible says. Your father and your mother, this is the first commandment with a promise. I love verse 3 from the message. Here's the promise. So you will live well and have a long life. So you will live well and have a long life. We need to honor, you know, Love Week made me think about how many cultures that I've been to visit around the world that really hold older people in such high esteem, much better than we do in America. Why? Because in America, where it's, it's all about do, it's working, we're working. What, what, you know, we, when you meet somebody, it, usually it's it, within the first few minutes, you mean, what do you do? Right? What do you do? What do you do for a living? So what happens is when we primarily value what do you do, then we don't value who you are. We're, we're, we're a, a nation of human doings and not human beings. And so we value what do you do? And it's not, I'm not saying that, listen, in a conversation, I'll, I'll be asking you, what do you do? It's part of what we do. But understand that in that, when you don't have a job, we still love you. When you don't have, listen, Calvin Pometier, one of our great guys here in the church, grew up in this church. Calvin's a deputy sheriff now, but for 10 years, he was an executive chef at an assisted living facility. I was talking to Calvin recently. He told me that 
He had an African-American gentleman in that assisted living center that was one of the original Tuskegee Airmen. He had a lady that was in there who worked with the USO, Bob Hope, USO shows going to our soldiers overseas and she had pictures of herself with Bob Hope. And I was thinking to myself, you know, see, there are people now within, right across here at Estelle's house at the, one of the hospices across the way and all around this area within five miles in every direction, we've got assisted living centers. And in those places are heroes, former generals, soldiers who went to combat, business tycoons, master musicians, admirable athletes, or brave, brave women who stayed home to raise good and strong children before it was despised or undervalued. If you go in there and see them now, there's no sign on them that says, here's who I used to be. And I just believe God is saying it's time for us to do a better job. Whatever age we are, to make sure we're placing value, esteem, and giving honor where honor is due. Not based on just what somebody's doing right now for you, but based on something you may never know until you learn to ask the question. Till you spend time with somebody and hear their story. If those people have trophies or awards, medals or medallions, we don't know about them. But to God, they're not used to bees. They're not has-beens. They're his kids right now. Think of all the knowledge, wisdom, and powerful stories of God's miracle power and grace inside of the forgotten among us in our own community. Yet it all remains locked up tightly in the vault of ageist isolation. I know this isn't a big rah-rah word today, but I believe it's a prophetic word because I believe the heart of God is wanting us to see differently and to use our life and our lives to build bridges toward people that are different, people that we wouldn't naturally just hang out with. And you have to be intentional about it. You have to, be, you have to really purpose in your heart to, to value that, to, to want to pioneer that. That's why I'm so proud of Pastor Gail and the Heartsmouth Foundation and all of you that did something for Love Week this, this month recently because we, 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 try to get, we try to get things out there just to say, hey, we're thinking about you. To some of the staffs at some of those places, some of the hospitals, some of the police departments. But I'd love to see us expand into more and more assisted living places for next year. But you know the only way we can do that is if you have relationship. Because it's not, we're not just going cold calling and just dropping off stuff. It happens through relationship. 
I'd love to call you right now as a church to find a way to stop by an assisted living center at some point in the next couple of weeks and just get to know somebody on the staff. Just introduce yourself. Just tell them we're looking for ways to just minister to people, just love on folks. Years ago, my father-in-law was in a memory care center when he had Alzheimer's dementia before he passed. And we would go there and visit. We would, as the family, go in for some of the game days and stuff like this. They had different things where, you know, my grandkids went in, so it was my father-in-law's great-grandkids, and we would take them, actually it was just Cole at the time, and we would go in there and, he, and they would just love seeing children. They just loved it. They lit up every time they saw children, and, and, and I gotta be honest, they lit up every time they saw Pastor Lindsay. Because every time he would go in, he would sing something. We started, we went in for Christmas a couple years and arranged through the person there, hey, can we just come in and sing some Christmas songs? People in wheelchairs. We don't know what they used to do, but we know they're still valuable. Something was placed in my wife and I growing up in the things of God and we had that relationship with Lester Sumrall because we were, we were kind of, it was put inside of us to honor the elders, the, 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 the preachers of the previous generations and really honor them. Today, that's why we have John and Pat Evanzini still in our lives at 83, 84 years old. They're still in our lives right now because God had us just love on them and esteem them and just have relationship with them. They live in Fort Worth and... We've, we text back and forth. We, he called me on the phone a couple weeks ago for a Wednesday night service. 30 minutes before I'm coming to church, and he said, uh, hey, I know you got church in a few minutes. You got a Bible handy? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, grab it. I said, well, grabbing the Bible is fun. I got to find glasses now. <laughs> he goes, I got you. And we did a five-minute Bible study of something I'd never seen before in my whole life. Five minutes. And then I came to church and I just felt like so honored that he would pour out a nugget of wisdom in his 83 years and just tell me something. It was, it was mind boggling. You know what? I'll just tell you what it is real quick. I'll, just give you the, I'll give you the two minute version. He says, you know, in Genesis 50, he takes me to Genesis 15. You know, when, when, when God says to Abraham, Abraham says, hey God, I don't have any heir. You said you give me a son and I got no heir. I'm gonna have to leave everything to Eliezer of Damascus, my servant. How am I gonna know you're really gonna keep your promise? And the Bible says God told Abraham to step outside. And he said, look to the heavens and count the stars if you can. And Brother John said, hey, you know why he said, if you can, I said, yeah, because there's too many stars to count. He said, no, look down four or five verses later. He says, four or five verses later, it says, and then it began to be nightfall. He says, God told Abraham to come outside and look at the stars and count them in the daytime. 
I said, Brother John, you're blowing my mind here. I said, what does that mean? He says, it means that Abraham had 75 years of knowing what the stars look like at night. And God was working on his mind. <laughs> he said, God was having, he was having to can see, count the stars if you can see them. Well, it's daytime, God, the stars are now. No, the point was, in his imagination, he knew what the stars looked like. The limit for him getting his son was here. Next week, we begin a brand new series. Pastor Lindsay and I are working on it together. It's called True-ish. It's all about the power of renewing your mind. You know why? Because when you're born again, your spirit is instantly and completely changed and you still have the exact same mind that you had and it has to be renewed to conform to the image of what your spirit is developing through him. My friends, we got to change our mindset about generations because we need each other. I think sometimes we get uncomfortable around older people that are suffering because our own futures scare us. When we look at them, we see ourselves and we worry about our own mortality. But what if you were secure in your own relationship with God enough to say, wait a second, if I go minister to people, I go love on people and value people that are older now for where they are right now, not for just what they used to be, but for who they are, for what they've done, for what they know, what they've learned, what they can pour out into my life. It's gonna make their world better, but it's gonna make my world better too. I'm not gonna have a show of hands of how many people will go by and do this exercise that I'm asking, but I'm really challenging you. Young people will see visions. Joel said and Peter preached on Pentecost, young people will see visions, but older people will still dream dreams. That's the promise of God. I wanna say to the greatest generation, 73, 74, or older. Keep dreaming dreams. I want to say to the baby boomers, keep dreaming dreams. We're not just measuring our coffins and planning our funerals. We're getting ready to live and fulfill the purpose that God has for us right now. Lester, somebody used to say this, don't die till you're dead. That's what he said. Right in this pulpit, don't die till you're dead. What he meant by that is, when Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, he said, look, don't just give up on life and quit living just because you're old. He still was traveling like 20 nations a year the year that he died at 83. Young people keep seeing visions. But I need you older people. We need you to keep dreaming dreams. We love you and we receive you and we still need you. You hear me? You 65 and overs, I'm gonna say to you, we love you. 
We need you. We need every ounce of your input in this house. But don't die till you're dead. Don't give up because God's purpose doesn't run out just because you reach a certain age. If I were to tell you some of the ages of some of the people in this church, by the way, it would blow your mind. We got people in this church that are in the late 60s, early 70s that look like they're in their 40s or 50s. Why? Because the promise of God and one of the benefits of God, Psalm 103, bless the Lord on my soul, forget not all his benefits. Who renews my youth like the eagles. God wants to renew your youth. But it's in here and it's in here. It's not just your physical being. It starts inside of you in the way you think. I'm gonna say to Generation X, you have so much inside of you that's valuable. Let it out. You have a place here. Don't keep, the, you Generation Xers, don't think because you've raised your kids now, many of you. Some of you headed into empty nests and you're floundering, trying to figure it out. What are we gonna do? The kids are grown, the kids are gone. What are we gonna do? Let me tell you something. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna live better. You just get started when the kids move out. It's, it's happy days are here again. Love your kids, love your grandkids, but changes the whole house. Why? Because it's yours again. It's not a bad thing. Millennials, you're so valuable. Not like everybody gets a ribbon valuable, but you're valuable. In the real world, not everybody gets a ribbon for just showing up. Life is tough. But you have so much on your life, millennials. You have so much that God has invested in you because you see the world with rose-colored glasses. You see the possibilities. You see yourself in it. You see what's going on around you. But make sure that Jesus is the center. Because that's what messes up people when they get themselves in the center of the whole focus. And the whole ribbon thing is on us, not on you. We did that to you. We felt so bad for you, we gave you ribbons for everything you did. But we love your exuberance and optimism. We just want to help you become God's best version of yourself. And I want to say in this church, we welcome your input. We want younger people to start taking leadership responsibilities here, but you got to do it. We want to hear from you. Don't wait till you're 50 before you show up and begin to serve and find your place. And then through serving, find that place of leadership. We want you. We need you to become the church we're supposed to be. Generation Z, might as well just talk to the front row. They're the only ones shouting. You're important now as well. You're not just the church of tomorrow. You're the church right now. You're the church of today. And we need you to be that. We need you to, to be who you are and to do what you do. The Bible says you'll prophesy. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Prophesy means to say what God says, to say what God is saying. Sons and daughters will prophesy. We want you to prophesy. We want you to speak the word of the Lord. We want you to be filled with the spirit of God. We want you to move forward. Why? Because we need each other. More than we realize, we need each other. 
Why? Because unity equals power. And unity in this place, I love the diversity when you see skin tone, but it's not just about skin tone. It's about experience. And I want to tell you some of the people that are older than you want so desperately for you to learn from what they've done when they messed it up. You don't have to repeat history. You don't have to follow the same pattern. But in order to avoid that, you have to listen or dialogue. I'm not talking about just lecturing. I'm talking about dialogue, have relationship, sit down, build relationship. That's why we started today with an exercise. Find somebody that's not in your generation and greet them. Because I want you to start thinking that way because it makes the church better and it puts a smile in God's heart. I'm almost done. But the very last words of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter four, finishes with six verses. Verse five and six is this. And God says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. That was the end of the Old Testament. And for 400 years until John the Baptist came, God was silent. There was no prophetic revelation. There was no prophetic declaration. God was quiet. He didn't raise up any prophets. For 400 years during the period of the Maccabees, he, didn't, he just was silent. He just stayed in the background because he was preparing the way for his son. And when John the Baptist comes, so the Old Testament finishes with the word curse lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. What did he say? He said, the spirit of Elijah is gonna come and turn the hearts of fathers, the older generation, to their children, the younger generation, and children, hearts, to their fathers. One of the greatest signs of the coming of Jesus is the unity of generations and the bridging of that gap. The Bible says sons and daughters will prophesy. Men, servants, and maidservants. We still have people arguing whether women can preach. Give me a break. It was settled on Acts chapter 2. Men, servants, and maidservants will prophesy, speak what God is saying. John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah, and what did he say? He pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Old Testament ends with the word curse. The New Testament picks up with a man in the wilderness shouting blessing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, in the name of God. My friends, we're all standing on the shoulders of others who paid a high price to get us where we are. Every generation makes sacrifices for the next. And guys on the front row, I don't know what comes after Z. Alpha, well, then we start over again. I don't know why it's generation Z. You, it might be, the next one might be Z plus. 
But I am saying this to you. You're going to be elders soon, whether you realize it or not, because it goes by like that. You're going to be the ones saying, ah, that old man didn't know what he was talking about. Until you wake up one day and you're 50. And you're going to be telling people, you know my old pastor used to say, it goes by quick. And it does. Time's moving. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the time you have? Because nobody in this room knows what tomorrow holds or how long you have to fulfill your purpose. But I'm asking it to start it now, to quit waiting for some pie in the sky. The greatest bridge to build is strengthening the others' generations around you. Encourage. Build relationships. Age doesn't mean anything after high school. Let me say that again. Age is only a huge deal when you're a senior and somebody else is a, is a junior or a sophomore or a freshman. You get out of high school and you don't even think that way by the time you're 25 or 30. You don't walk up to somebody and say, what year did you graduate? You don't. But it's, isn't it, but it's everything when you're high school, isn't it? It's like everything. We don't hang around with those people. They're, 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 they're a year younger than us. We don't hang around with them. But in the kingdom. Pastor Lindsay, go ahead and help me. In the kingdom. I'm going to read you one more verse of scripture. An Old Testament prophecy about the church of Jesus where the church is called Zion declares a bridge in Jeremiah 31, there was an old song we used to sing back in the Benny Hinn church days when we were there 30-something years ago. Jeremiah 31, 13 says this, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, the young men and the old men together. For I will turn their mourning to joy. I will comfort them. And I'll make them rejoice rather than sorrow. My friends, when God moves, generations unite. When God moves, unity comes and unity equals power. God wants to do something great in our generation. But the generation is not limited to an age group. It's about who's alive right now. And God's purpose for you. Build a bridge. Build a bridge of honor to reach others. Let's pray together one more time. God, thank you for your word today. Father, we need you so much to move in us. You said that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That as we speak the word of the Lord, that we can see a shift, that we can see a change. Father, would you break down all the walls of division? And if you can heal generations, then you can certainly heal marriages. 
can certainly heal bodies. You can certainly cause people that don't know you to pass from death into life. But it only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and move in this place. Let us spread the seeds of honor. build a bridge in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed, guys, just for a moment. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're connecting with us on our online campus and you just, your heart has grown cold. Whatever you've experienced, there are so many people in our community from Gainesville and Ocala, the villages everywhere in between that have a testimony of the fact that they once knew God but then life happened and their heart got cold. I wanna invite you today to open your heart afresh. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Say, Pastor, you don't know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how, I, how upset I've, I've offended God so much. I've wandered away and I've messed up. Well, I wanna tell you, we love you anyway because God loves you anyway. This is not a church for perfect people. And it sure isn't a church for religious people. It's a church for people that are just hungry for a relationship. That really want to know God. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need God in my life in a brand new way. I don't want him to be on the sidelines. I want him to be right front and center in my life. If that's you, I want to say to you, God loves you like you are, but he, leaves you, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants, to, he wants to build that relationship with you. But he'll never force his will or his way into your life. He'll only move where he's invited to move. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need prayer, would you just slip your hand up right now? Just put it up real high. Just put it up and keep it up. Put it up and keep it up. Put it up and keep it up. And just trust God right there. Maybe you're connecting with us on our online campus. I invite you to do the same thing right where you are. Hands are going up right now. Father, in Jesus' name, would you reveal yourself to every person whose hand is raised, everyone whose heart is open. Show them their value. Show them their purpose in you and reveal Jesus to them and through them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.